great to be in the house of the Lord. I'm so happy my wife's with me today. I love her. She's awesome, amazing. She tolerates me. Only God knows. Only God knows. But I'm just thankful that she's with us. I want to give honor to your pastor and his wonderful wife today. You need to get on your all fours every day, as my father-in-law used to say, and thank God for your pastor and his wife. Amen, Brother Murphy, amen. I know you've been standing a little bit, but I'm going to let you sit down for a couple hours. Two or three people got that. That was good. Amen. But you got a, You have an amazing pastor and his wife through struggle, trial, temptation, have valiantly led victoriously, kept the faith, stayed the course, so simple to quit, so simple to compromise, so simple to do all that, but stayed the course. And you're extremely blessed today, extremely blessed beyond measure. Amen, amen. And what a dynamic ministry team up here. Absolutely wonderful, although two of them are my nephews. I'm, I'm proud of that. And then little Micah gets up here and preaches for a couple of minutes. That was a great thing. You talk about, I, I'm telling you, God's got great things for this church that you've never seen. You've never seen it. I'm, ha I'm happy my sister is here. She's backslid. She's way in the back. That's sliding back. My sister-in-law's here. Vernell, so good to see you, even though it's from a distance and light is in my eyes. Amen. Praise God. I'm thankful to see everyone in the house of the Lord today. I got to tell this baby girl something over. Can I tell you something, Dad, Mom? Y'all listen. The good news is the bad news was wrong. The bad news is wrong. The good news is right. Amen. That's what God's doing. I believe that with all of my heart. He's moving. Casey, I love you. Thank you for helping me last night. I better read or I'll be thanking everybody. Just good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. I preach a little differently than some folks, but that's okay. Let me ask y'all a question. Still drawn to Skylar. I asked about her before we prayed. Still drawn over here. What if your sole purpose in life was to be a part of this church today, but it was your faith that made the difference for this baby? And then what if we didn't utilize that faith because we're so distracted by the world, the events, the things that are occurring that were off focus from what God wants to occur and this baby wasn't well and this baby didn't fulfill her destiny because we missed ours. There is a serious impact to your life. You young men sitting on the front row, you will impact someone in your life and if you do not know where it is in God, 
That's the ultimate thing. If you miss that, what happens to an individual you were supposed to touch in a way that they could never be touched? Church, that's how important destiny is this morning. And I'm going to preach about destiny for just a little bit today. And I pray that it touches you. If you will read with me in the book of Matthew, chapter number 27, verse 32. It's an amazing portion of Scripture. It's what we're founded on. And they came out. They found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head this accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then when there were two thieves, then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, one on the left. And they had, and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou hast destroyed the temple and buildest it in three days. Save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. That scripture puzzles me because the mandate is given to you and I, save yourself from this untoward generation. That literally means you need to get focused on getting yourself out of the world. Everything else is secondary. Nothing is more important than going to heaven. Nothing is more important than that. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. I'm going to preach for a few moments, but I need your help. How many of you want to be used in the same faith that God possesses this morning? Some of you do, not everybody. God possesses faith because he is faithful. So when you talk about faith, you cannot separate it from faithfulness. That's why we're faithful in prayer, fasting, attendance at church. That was an amen right there. I didn't get it, but it was there. There's five parts of the faith of God. The first thing is always and foremost the authority of the Word of God. Heaven and earth will die, but the Word shall not die. Why? Because He is the Word, and the Word is eternal. He cannot die. 
So it's not going to happen. We do everything based on the authority of the Word of God. When we prayed for Schuyler, it was based on the authority of the Word of God. The second thing is the blood of Jesus Christ. Life is in the blood. So you always plead the blood. The third thing is his name. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus. The fourth part of the equation is anointing. You've got to have the anointing. And the anointing always ran down. It was placed on Aaron's head, ran down on his beard, to his garments. It always comes from God through us. Then the fifth and final thing has to be submission. If you're not submitted, it will never occur. The Bible even says Jesus did always those things that please the Father. If you're not submitted, my God, I feel faith rising right now. I feel it building right now. God's going to do some amazing things in this service today. Can I tell you quickly the title of the message today and the basis for it is simply this. There is a challenge to Grace Church, to the apostolic movement, to leave the cross. There is a challenge to abandon Calvary. There is a challenge to abdicate our rightful place in this world, although we're pilgrims, strangers, and sojourners. We're just here for a brief period of time. But the challenge to this church is to leave the cross. You may be seated. We have prayed. We have sought God. Let me give you the crux of the message. What my goal is for this service today is to allow God to challenge your sincerity of the love you possess for Jesus Christ. We can say it, but until we live it, we're just talking. The challenge of Jesus Christ is for you to accept the cross he has laid out for you. We call it destiny. Jesus Christ fulfilled his destiny in the 33 and a half years, but it really came down to three and a half. And he completed it. When God created the earth, he created the worlds. The Bible said he saw that it was good and he finished. God said it's finished. Jesus Christ said at Calvary, it is finished. The Holy Ghost has never said it is finished. Because the Holy Ghost is still working. He's moving. It's living. I know they're one. But the function is different. I function differently as a grandfather than a father. I function differently as a husband as, than as a pastor. 
because that is an office, but it's one and the same. There's not three gods, I understand that. But I want you to know the function of the Holy Ghost has not completed His work and said it is finished, especially while He's focused on this church. You have so much more to accomplish. And you should never look at it by saying, I have to go to church. I have to pray. I have to fast. Never. It's simply this. I get to fast. I get to pray. I get to go to church. I get to love God. I get to fulfill my destiny. Seven and a half billion people in this world. And God chose you to do something in this life. And it's up to you to do it. He said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Jesus Christ never avoided He never evaded. He never dodged the destiny of his life, the meaning of what he was to accomplish, and the purpose of his goal. He never changed that. It didn't matter what was going on in this world. It didn't bother him what the Romans were doing. It didn't bother him that he was rejected by the Jews. It never bothered him that Peter just left him, that Judas betrayed him. He said, I've got a destiny and I'm going to fulfill it. I refuse to leave the cross. The devil has toyed with the minds of people in this congregation. The Lord showed me this. He has plagued you and inundated you with thought processes that go like this. I can't make it to church. I can't fast like I did. I can't pray like I did. I I just can't do it. You know what? It would be better if I just didn't go back to church. He has placed a challenge before you to abandon your cross. The last week that T.W. Barnes was alive, laying sick, I called his house, 318-377-4528. And I said, Sister Barnes, is it possible that I could speak to Brother Barnes She said, Brother Murphy, he's so weak, he can't talk, but he's still taking prayer requests. There's some people that can't pray, period. When I'm 91 and a half, if the Lord doesn't come first, I may be frail, but I'm asking God to let me still be able to call on the Word, the blood, the name, the anointing, and be submitted to the kingdom of God. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. 
Let me tell you something. Jesus expects the same dedication and commitment from us that he had when he walked this earth. It's quiet. I know we're not running the aisles, but I'm going to preach what God's given me to preach. We want God's grace. We want God's mercy. We want God's love. We want God's faithfulness. He wants your faithfulness. He wants you. It works both ways. It's amazing how people don't need God at all until they're sick or in crisis. And then they expect God just to show up because they called on him. Where were you when he needed a prayer warrior? Where were you when he needed an altar worker? Where were you when he needed somebody to complete a destiny that he gave to you from the beginning? You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Why? Because you got purpose. We seem to be a church society that always has a handout to receive, but we don't have a handout to give. I'm not meddling. I'm not getting into anybody's business. I'm preaching what the Lord told me to do. There is a pivotal point in this church today. This message is here to help. This message is to reinforce. I can tell you it's a part of your destiny. God's giving you an opportunity by saying this precious word that I created, that I brought forth, that I embodied, cannot slip out of your memory and your conscience. It must be an integral part of your daily walk, your daily life, moment to moment. You must have the word. I never thought about it. I'm not. I, I, I'm just not one of those preachers that think all this deep stuff. There's some of you that have more degrees than the thermometer, and I'm not one of those kind of people. I get stuffed by revelation a lot. But I, I was preaching a couple of weeks ago on the word. Scholar, the words at work, baby. The words working. When Jesus was laying in the sepulcher, the body is dead. Guards are standing outside. They're guarding the living word. The body's dead. The word cannot die. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It was God. So they're guarding. And all he had to do was nothing. And he had more power than all of the Roman soldiers could ever have. And he decides while he's dead to go visit hell. And he's dead. And he takes the keys to death, hell, and the grave while he's dead. It's just the word. The word said light, and there was light. Yeah. 
He never said, let there be. You look it up. In the Hebrew, it's one word. He said light. He doesn't have to say, let there be. He doesn't need permission. He said light, and there was light. And, brother, these clouds are guarding this everlasting word. He could have blew them out of their helmet if he wanted to. He could have just knocked them out of their sandals had he wanted to. But he let it all play out. Why? There wasn't any worry in him. There was the word in him because he was the word. He's already destined a word for you. And that word is simply, you will make it if you stay with me. All you need is a word. I better stick with the notes or we'll be here till 3 o'clock. You know what this church needs to hear? You hear it, but I want you to hear it in your spirit. You need to hear, I love you. You're beaten, you're pummeled. You're assaulted daily for the weapons of our warfare. Oh, we are in warfare. You're pummeled daily. You're pummeled so often. It could be moment by moment. I had a preacher text me the other day, said, please pray. My mind is filled with so much negativity. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. There's a simple answer. You give it permission. Do you want to give it permission? You've got the authority to give permission. Let the same mind that was in Christ be also in you. Why don't you give his mind permission to get in you that's why he said let not your heart your mind be troubled if he could say that and face calvary you've got the ability to walk into anything because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world when i looked at the matter of the crucifixion some things became so burned and emblazoned in my mind and engraved in my heart, troubling to 